podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Hello, I'm Glenn Murray. And I'm Paul Haywood. Welcome to the podcast that brings you the players, the commentators, the famous fans and the coaching staff too. You can play the game, but do you know the game? So says Gary Dicker, the under-21 assistant coach who gives us a fascinating insight into the final stage of the academy from under-21 level to senior team. Glenn, that's a, a level of football you know well and you know how hard it is to make that progression. Yes, I do as a player, but I think Gary uh, has got a, a really difficult job in, in prepping players and getting them ready for, for what is ultimately the best league in the world. Well, we're joined by Gary Dicker, the under-21s assistant coach. He's got the keys to the kingdom because he's in charge of the next wave of um, Albion stars. He has indeed, but what I would ask about, first and foremost, is his start at the club. Good memories, Gary, all those years back? Really good memories. Um, probably didn't come into the club at the best state when I came in. I'm sure you were here. Wasn't that many hinch... Hinch's dad was here. There was a, yeah. a good core of Brighton lads as well. There was a, there was a core of Stockport lads, weren't there, where you came from? Yeah, a lot. I was probably the last one that came. Jimmy McNulty. Liam Dickinson, Craig Davis. You were there for yeah. a bit as well. Um, James Tunnicliffe. Yeah, Tony came. And then good group of Brighton lads. Tommy Elphick, Tommy Fraser, John Sullivan. So there was a lot of good Brighton young lads coming through as well back then. No, I really enjoyed it when I came in. It was a struggle at first. <laughs> uh, the first game up with him. What year were you? Who signed you? Russell Slade. Slade. So, that was uh, tough. Came in, yeah. <laughs> came in, first game was Tranmere at home. What a bad game. Nil all. Just remember Virgo clearing the only stand at the with him. <laughs> doesn't sound like folks. But you could see the plan. The chairman was in, in talks to, to take over. Uh, the stadium was in the pipeline, so um, it was a tough time, but you could see where the club was trying to get to straight away. Just talking about the stadium there, you obviously seen the club go through a huge transition of moving homes. How was that as a player? And even though you were going from something that was okay to something that was amazing, did it come with any pressures, any negative pressures, should I say? How strange, I think when I think back of it, I probably would have felt the pressure now thinking back because I think where we came from and in the stadium and how we'd finished in the league previous, Gus coming in halfway through the season, I think it was October, November, and the stadium was still 18 months away. I think it probably helped that we were in such a poor position that the pressure wasn't put on to go and get promoted and do it. Like nobody was even thinking about that pre-season um, and Gus done all his work then and we never really set down or the club never really said you got to get promoted and we never spoke about it or talked about it. We went on visits and stuff like that, but yeah, strange looking back because I think probably now everyone would have been all over it, media-wise, social media-wise, so it was probably a blessing a little bit. I don't. We never said we need to get promoted to be in the stadium. Maybe it was good from the management and the club. They didn't really set that on us and then when we started the season, I don't think, I don't think anybody would have said we would have got promoted. You don't remember that. Yeah. Nobody would have put us as promotion. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that, that the club never put any pressure on us fr from that, that point. But obviously, 
I didn't go into the new stadium, you did. Was there a pressure to sell it, to fill it out, to entertain what was like a whole new crowd? Because you went from the within of getting six, seven thousand after a good season, that's full up, to a stadium that, that was what, 25,000 capacity? Yeah. Um, not really, because I think from what we've been told about the club, we always knew there was a big fan base down here from the Goldson and stuff like that. So there was no pressure from that. I think adding the promotion to it, Helped it without without anyone need to sell it. What's gone on in the past sold it itself. Uh, probably the struggle that the fans had done all that for us. I don't think we needed to go and and sell something that they brought and created themselves. Really, uh, with all the work they done. So again, we never felt that. Um, looking back on it, brilliant moment for probably everyone to be involved in it to be on the pitch that day. I think it'll get down in history. It's only now when you. You look back and you think, oh, I was glad to be part of that day and it was a mad day. When you came back to the club, Gary, you'd already learned your trade as a coach, hadn't you, with the Kilmarnock reserves. What was that like? Yeah, really interesting. I started to do the under-20s up there. Steve Clark let me help out with the reserves. I was, I was seeing how he worked. I was always interested in it and I wanted to get a feel of it because I knew it was what I wanted to go into. I think Glenn will probably tell you I think people just end up in it because it's all you know and you just think you're going to have to do it. I didn't. I started with badges early, hadn't we? My A licence complete five years ago now. Um, so I wanted to get the ball rolling straight away and I was working under a really good manager who worked under top managers and had a good career as well. So it was one for me to try to get a leg up because it's hard getting in, getting in coaching roles and it helped me a lot when I came in. I thought I knew a lot as a player and you, you don't you're only scratching it um, you're restarting again at the bottom of the ladder really and I knew I had to take my time and probably learn trade even more because it is completely different on the opposite side yeah I was going to ask you about that because when you go from you know being a player which is you can be selfish as a player to some degree can't you and then suddenly you're looking yeah <laughs> they're both, they're both looking at me now what are you looking like Glenn for <laughs> I've just given away the, uh, the biggest secret in football there um and then when you're coaching youngsters at Kilmarnock, you've got a tremendous responsibility and you and, and it's new to you. You felt comfortable with that quite quickly by the sound of it. Um, yes and no. Completely different speaking in a dressing room as a player to a member of staff or a coach. The importance of it as a player, you usually have a lot of throwaway comments to each other. What sinks in when you're a staff member and you say something, it usually sticks. Um, I would have done it as well myself. If someone says, you hold on to it. Explaining the game and getting your thoughts out is a skill you need to develop as a coach and that helped me probably speaking in front of the group and being being out training, testing yourself. But probably the best education I've had was coming back here to come and work with the staff that are here in the academy, Graham and his staff and the staff in here now. I've learned so much. And as I said, there's so much more to learn. I count myself lucky, to be fair, to come back in. And I've learned loads off the academy side. I think ex-footballers, players, usually when you look at people that haven't played the game, they probably don't get a, a fair enough crack at it or praise that they should get. So I've came in here and there's a lot of coaches that have been coaching a long time, um, still very young, and they've got so much experience. So I've learned a lot, really, from, from everyone in the building on that side. And then the detail the club go into in the coaching and how the game's moved on, probably 
you'll agree with it. It's it's moved on so much now, especially from the coaching aspect. Yeah, um, culture so as well. Culture, coaching. People want to know more. People ask more. Uh, there's more solutions. You're not just told to do something. You want to be shown it. You need to see it back. Uh, can we work on it? So I've learned loads, and it's just just really exciting for a young coach for me to be in here. You mentioned in one of your previous answers interest in, in being a coach. When did that start? Because a lot of professional footballers use the excuse of, I'm busy doing what I'm doing. I've got to concentrate on what I'm doing now. So when was it, at what age did you think, do you know what, this is the path I want to go down? Really young for me, for a few reasons. One, I knew I wasn't going to be the best player. So I needed it in my game anyway. I needed to understand Oh, so it was football. to develop your game as well, yeah. not, not the next yeah. step. Yeah, so I, kn- I knew I needed it. I wasn't going to be someone that's going to run box to box. I needed to understand the game more. Don't be shaking your head. <laughs> I needed to understand the game as much as I could as a player to get everything I needed out of the game. As I said, I wasn't blessed with larger attributes that you need, so I needed to understand the game as much as I could as a player to get me to where I was. I couldn't score 20 a season. Um, so I needed to improve myself straight away. And I had a book for it then, straight away. It helped. Certain managers came in. I worked under Jim Gannon first. Really good coach. And we thought about the game. Bad people skills, I'll agree with you. <laughs> um, but really good tactically. He was probably well ahead of his time with some yeah. of the stuff he was doing. Um, started seeing the game different. Came down here. And then Gus came in and I seen the game completely different again. Um, and that just gave me even more of desire to do it. And it's always been there, but I needed to understand the game as best as I could. Gus was before his time at that level, wasn't he? 100%. I think um, when you see how we played then, I go watch League One, League Two games. Now and you don't see it still, how he asked us to play. I think there was only one other team doing it at that point and that was probably Swansea, wasn't it? Yeah, Swansea was probably the only one that were doing it. And I remember coming in in pre-season and just thinking, wow, just having the ball, not not chasing it around. You know what it's like getting battered up to you and having the style and planning. The detail he went into, started seeing the game different, talking about numbers, how much we're building with, how much we need to commit. It was the same with free kicks, corners, if they commit. So there was a logic behind it. It was an understanding Um and I learnt loads at that. He was just running around wanting to stick it in the net. <laughs> that was my job. Um, 100%. But I had to think about the game different and having worked with people like that really opened my mind to it and really gave me massive interest in it. Just coming into your role now, I mean, fans at every club, not just this one, are fascinated by the level you're working at because they want to believe that the under-21s is full of young lads who are about to step into the the first team, you know, that there's a production line. And it's not as easy as that, is it? Because if you send one lad up to the first team a year, you're doing well. It's a very difficult step up, isn't it? Definitely. I think you see the growth of the club now and where we are in the Premier League, um, the ambition of the manager, the chairman, the board, they want to be better every year. So that makes their job even harder every year. I think you're looking at Europa League, top-end Premier League, the level of player now that is over that side that we have to try to reach and be better. Um, and it's a great challenge for us. As you said, I know how privileged I am to come in and work with young, hungry players. Um, and then when you see them go over there, 
it's a different feeling than when you're on the pitch. Like you see Hinge scoring, Evan on the pitch, Donkey still there, Solly. We've got a lot of lads on the bench. It's it's getting tougher, don't get me wrong, to get them over there. And it's an exciting part of the job because the club invests so much in it as well. You can have a lot of clubs that say, yeah, we invest in our academy, but the chairman will know who's in the under nines to who's going up to the first team. And I think that's, I think we're the last part of the jigsaw. I think the people that work with Jack and Joe at 9, 10, 11, 12, they've probably done just as much. Because the lads were talking about when he first saw him, he was crying in the car and he wouldn't get out of the car to try him. Um, and they're, they're just as part of it over there because they've seen all the way up. And we're the last piece of the jigsaw. And it's important because we need to teach them the stuff that you need to stay over there with. And all the stuff where probably getting the dressing room on side straight away. It's hard as a young yeah. player. You can you can do all the stuff on the grass, but how you are about the place. You can lose a you can lose a first team walking over there. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So we try to help them with that stuff, uh, and you try to take as many boxes as you can, and you hope you're never going to take them all. I think I learned that pretty quick. Um, some will, hundred um, percent, but it's exciting to try and get the next one in there because you see him at the manager he ain't he ain't afraid to throw people in um, but the age of the squad there it's quite young anyway I love that phrase getting them over there you can almost you can almost see it sounds like an obvious question but what what qualities do they need to get over there I don't think the qualities will ever change to get you over there all the stuff we always talk about the brilliant basic stuff yeah every day is important training well just the stuff that you're tackling, your attitude, your desire, your hunger. And we talk about having a little bit of cherry on top. Yeah, you're good. And we all know they're good technical players. They're all here. Um, and it's a great saying. You can play the game, but you, do you know the game? As Mo says, do you know how to win a dressing room? Do you know how to show something in training, whether it's a five-a-side or a possession? Are you going to clean up after training? Yeah, are you going to help Mo if he needs a bit of shooting? Yeah, I'll step in. I'll do that. Do you need just little stuff? Um, Build the, relationships. Yeah, but the basics will never go from football. Desire, hunger, yeah. Can you tackle? Can you run? Can you do all that? And then you can see in this team, if you can do all that, what a team to play in. What a, what a philosophy and style of play. I always say there, lads, you probably don't know how lucky you are to be at a club like this where... I'd give anything to play in this team because it doesn't highlight anyone's real weaknesses and it just excels people that have solutions all the time to problems on the pitch. Um, and as a footballer, there is nothing better than that. There's nothing worse than looking over. You don't know what you're doing. He doesn't know what he's shouting on the sideline. And everyone's like, where now I think if you look at our team, Donkey has the ball. He knows he's got four or five passes every time, no matter what. And it must be a joy to... To play in and our job is to try link that to them as much um, so that when they do go over, they've got a chance to understand them. I know that the way that you play in the 21s is very similar to the first team. How important is that to be able to create that pathway? Because I think we both know that that step up regardless is hard enough. And then if you had to learn a new way of playing football, it's even harder, isn't it? So, so to be able to make that transition as smooth as possible and create a pathway for them, it's imperative, isn't it? Definitely. I think if you look at the club now, and how it's always been, the club always liked a possession, attack and toil. 
type of team. So the academies always had that philosophy and always keep that from say nines to eighteens because that's how the club sees sees itself. Twenty um, ones will probably drip in a lot of the first team stuff um, and still kind of keep the stuff that they need to learn as well before they go over there because it's quite difficult when you go over there as you know you haven't got much time you're rolling from game to game uh, the stuff you need to get better at as a young player so you're running out of time a little bit so you need to make sure that stuff is ticked off and you're getting better at it because when you go over there it's completely different so the style of play I think the manager's been brilliant he'll speak to Shan and say I don't need like it's up to you to play how you want he gives a lot of freedom but you wouldn't want to be a very intelligent man if you're not going to take stuff and try implement it and, and use what he uses over there and then when the guys go over there you're not a fish out of water you're able to understand the patterns of play the timings it is really simple but it's quite complex as well at the time of understanding and we do our best to try to help them give them an extra foot in the door over there I would imagine, in fact, I know that managing the expectations is, is, is tricky nowadays, particularly the, the expectations of parents and agents as much as anything. Uh, the rice smile, that. Let's keep this diplomatic. That's, that's a major part of your job, isn't it? Keeping people realistic. Yeah, and that's always the hard part in football because sometimes you can feel you can be ahead of the curve, but it could be for different reasons. It could be tactical. It could be for any reason that you might end up over there. Nine times out of ten, it's for the right reasons. But that'll always be there because, listen, everyone sees the Premier League, sees the celebration, sees what it is now. I think now if you can get into a Premier League team, it probably is life-changing. Now with the money that's involved and stuff, and no problem with that, but it is hard to probably manage. And I think parents, and I'll always say it, probably have the biggest role to play in a career well they did in mine I'm not yeah. sure about you I think no they did probably understanding where you're at uh, understanding Honesty. yeah where you need to be what you need to do our job's definitely to help that but I think a lot of it starts at home I think if you look at the ones that end up over there and it's hard they usually have a good support around them there's ones that won't always have that and the club is brilliant at that as well I think with player care the Sykes stuff now that if you haven't got that support the club is really good at giving it. But it is, the noise is louder, social media, clips. I've never seen so many clips on the internet of a trick these days and stuff like that. So it's, it must be really hard to manage. I can only barely understand what the Hinchwoods, Evan Ferguson's are going through when they score hat-tricks or they get goals. It's everywhere now. It's all over the world. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. When you say it's life-changing, obviously I've been, I've been out there with you and you talk about the glamour of the Premier League and it's not glamorous. You're out there every day of the week, yeah. it's blown a hooli, it's wet, it's hard. Do you sometimes have to, well, keep restoring that belief that they can make that step? Because even though it's only a couple of fields away, it, like you say, it's life-changing, it's a, it's a leap, isn't it? it, it the, the gap is massive, so so is it sometimes important, I don't know, like now, on a February, they might not have been called up, they're maybe losing a little bit of belief in themselves, is it important that you keep that, that mentality quite strong? Definitely, because it changes all the time, every day in football. Um, probably the beauty of the academy that you don't see over there is, sometimes, 
the race always changes and it changes all the time with players. Um, and our job is to get to get people over there, but our job is to get people careers as well, whether yeah. it's in football or out. Um, and we're just as happy when we see lads out and home playing in League Two, League One, or they get a move to the Championship um, and they're getting careers. And I think that's probably the difference here. I've seen probably in the change in football, whereas before, if you weren't in the first team or you weren't looking like you were being in the first team, you're not going to get the same attention. You're not going to get the same level of help. Like deadline day, we're looking to get lads out and long because we know they need careers, they need to get appearances. You're doing everything you can to help them um, to get it. And that's just, just as important for me, but probably that, like you hit the nail on the head, it is Groundhog Day as a footballer. You're not going to come in and have great sessions every day. Sometimes you just got to keep going, keep going. And that's a message we'll always try drumming. The minute you drive in, if you drive out, hopefully you, you leave the place a better player that day. Um, and you'll get it with young players. You know, consistency is the hardest part for the young player. Um, I think you've seen this year, we've we done really well in the EFL. So we really attacked it. We got six games and it was probably a game too far. But then the message is, well, you need 46 of them to be a League One, League Two <laughs> championship player. Um, and you're always relaying messages where probably my last message was, some of you might get a chance to play at Wembley and you could be two games. Whereas five or six in the Wickham team are in the late 30s, Sam Vokes, stuff like that. That's probably their last chance to get to yeah. Wembley. Mm. Um, so you never know of football because it's full of disappointments, probably more than, than there is highs. Dixie, I just wanted to touch on, obviously, especially with this manager, which is a real positive, of getting young lads over there and getting them a taste of the first team. And that is ultimately where they all want to be. How is it welcoming them back? That's the hardest. So we do a lot of uh, workshops and stuff on that, about how you come back, because Paul touched on it, the expectation that when you feel like you've been over there. So... Pre-Dubai, a lot of the lads would have been over there for five or six weeks and then they come back. Um, and it's it's natural to get a massive low from it. And then you, and then when they come back, I think it's really important. Then, so our message usually is when you come back, don't let the ones that haven't been over there overtake you by coming back. So if you come back and you get a little bit comfortable and it's like, oh no, I, I think I should still be over there, but you're not. So the message is usually, can you come back? and bring everything that you've had over there, the standards, the tempo, the detail in your passing, because um, the level is so high over there. So like, don't forget everything you've just had. So it's quite hard to manage because it's happened where players will be over there and someone gets ahead of them when they come back because they've not come back in the right frame of mind, the right mentality. Someone jumps ahead of you. And it is tricky and it's only natural as well. Yeah. As I said, they're not going to be spot on all the time, but it's probably just raising it and explaining to them um, which you get in football because you know back in the day you did just been told you think you're this you think you're that whereas you've a lot more patience now in football uh, and the understanding of being a young person it is easy to get carried away you're training with Ansu Fati Joe Pedro Danny Welbeck Milner Lalana, <laughs> and then you come back as you said and you're over this side and you might have six 18s training with you um, so it's really, it's really tricky, but it's one that we do touch on a lot um, and make sure whenever they come back after a long period to know that 
that that doesn't stop that process doesn't stop now can you still be the best player in the 21s for us um but it's tricky definitely and how can the fans get behind the the under 21s going in terms of attendance and support definitely i think i think all season ticket holders can uh, apply for tickets on the website so i think you need to to go on and buy the ticket and it ends up coming but for us i think it's a great chance um great chance for the fans to come as you spoke about seeing the next the next one that's coming through we sometimes do get a lot of first team drop down but for us i think it's to try and make the transition to a first team a little bit easier if you've got a few more people at the ground our amex games are brilliant abuse is welcome <laughs> yeah no just because you know as a footballer we don't want the amex to be the first time they've been there and it's not the first time they're walking out to the pitch and if we can get more fans at at the training ground or at the MX when we play, it's helping their experiences and giving them something that they'll need later on. And we get at the Sussex Senior Cup games as well. It's brilliant mm. exposure mm. for different type of football, fans in your face, four yards away. But we'll try to do it here. We do get a lot of season ticket holders. I will say, please come more. More people we get here to help the young lads, gives them a better experience. And, and uh, they're usually decent games of football as well. Uh, it's a really good level. I think people probably look at it as if to say, oh, yeah, but it's not men's football. But they've got to probably realise it's really high quality, technical side, tactical side. And we're trying to produce Premier League players, first and foremost, that can play in the Premier League. So how the Premier League looks to the other leagues, totally different. And we get that. They're not going to get 27 balls in the box in a PL2 game. They won't get it in the Premier League because you see now it's completely different. Um, so the style of game is really good and the quality of the player on show now, I think you touched on it, is really high. Because the club's recruitment's so good, you get a lot of prospects coming into your setup, don't you? Players with huge potential, that must be exciting. It also puts a lot of responsibility on you, doesn't it, to make sure those players develop at this club in the right way? Definitely. I think you've seen in the window, we signed four lads to come into our group um, and that just shows the forward thinking from the club. They know the importance of it and it does, yeah. It puts a lot of importance on us to try and get them over there and it adds to it. But also, sometimes it can, it can lift the rest of the group when you see someone coming in. And that's part of football, I'll always say it. You're always chasing someone and someone's always chasing you. And that will never go. That fight and that drive and that desire, it doesn't leave you. Muzzy will tell you, every time a striker came in, he'd have been, a he wouldn't have been happy. He'd have been better for the next three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it doesn't go, does it? That no. chase. As soon as that goes, then you're finished. Yeah, and you're done. So trying to relay that stuff, no matter what level you go in at or who you're playing with, that chase doesn't stop. Or what stop. age you are. Yeah, it doesn't stop. Um, and it's the norm. Every January window, you'd be the same as me thinking, oh, not another midfielder. Not another striker, you're thinking, I mustn't be doing well, but it's always pushing you, it's always challenging you as a footballer. And that's probably the hard part as a player, mentally, because you've got to be so strong now with the level of player coming in, as you said. They're coming in at all ages. and The club are always looking to get better. But I'm definitely privileged to come in and to work with really, really good young players um, that the club has invested in. And it's really exciting as you say, because every year we're kind of blessed. It keeps us fresh. 
So every year you've got a new cycle coming in where it's different in the first team. So we're getting that new cycle and we're getting young players in younger all the time in our group, like first year, second year scholars. And it's exciting, really exciting. I suppose from the outside, people would think the Brighton under 21 coaching role is probably the easiest in the building. But that isn't the case at all because I've been in there with you and you can start the day with 20 players. You might lose a few on loan or whatever, a few to injury, and then Roberto will drag four or five up to train with the first team. And then all of a sudden, you've got a depleted squad, you're having to drag under-18s up to, to, try and, to try and step in and, and fill people's shoes. So I suppose as a coach at that level, you've got to be extremely adaptable and patient at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's probably difficult in that sense, but we know we're there to facilitate the first team, first and foremost. Um, that game on a Saturday, that game on a Thursday night is the most important because um, we're the closest to them. And it will, listen, we've come in and we thought we've had 18 players and we could have eight. <laughs> and then another six go halfway through the session. And the plan's gone out the window. And the plan's gone out the window and then you might get another 12 back halfway through the session and we didn't expect them. And that's that's probably, it's a really good education for me as a coach because as you said, you've got to be adaptable. You've got to be able to, to change plan and understand the role. And I think we do it pretty well over there. I think we know it ain't going to be, we're going to have our session planned every day and it's going to go swimmingly. It's great when it does, um, but we know Saturday, three o'clock is the main thing. If they need... 20 players, they're going to go over there. But it is really difficult to judge. It can be the same on match day. I think you know, at Wickham, we didn't know because you got a few injuries at Luton and then it changes their team late on Wednesday. And that's that's part of the job for us. I think there's so much positives outweigh that as well. That happens in pub football a lot when you end up with eight, eight <laughs> players, but this is, this is definitely not pub football. Um, <laughs> Gary Dicker, thanks very much for those fascinating insights into the bridge between under-21 and senior football. I think I've learned a lot. I don't know whether you have learned, but I certainly I have. have. I, think, I thought it was a really, really interesting interview. Cheers, fellas. Thank you. I think the thing that jumped out to me of what Gary was saying in his interview was how he wants the best for each individual that plays in the under-21s. And obviously, first and foremost, that's getting them to the first team. But if not, getting them a career. And I think that shines a really positive light on the club when you, when you look at how many players now, even now, and I'm sure it'll be more in future years, are littered throughout the Football League. Yeah, so Alex Ferguson used to track every single young player who left the Manchester United Academy to see where they ended up. And he took huge pride in Manchester United Academy products, developing careers at whatever level in the game. He thought he had a duty of care. And I think good clubs have that pride in what they do. Yeah, definitely. And you know what? I, I said Football League there. I should say World Football, shouldn't I? Because Brighton Academy products are throughout the world of football. Thank you for listening to this, the official Brighton & Albion podcast. Check out the back catalogue for interviews with people like Jason Steele, Martin Hinchelwood and Harlem Eubank. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. This podcast is a VoiceWork Sport production for Brighton and Hove Albion. Sports Social Podcast Network.